Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for the Tour Championship for the FedEx Cup. And we are going four wide this evening. Let me bring them in one at a time. Greg Ducharme rocking the, the bright red. That's your uh, Monday red, Greg. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, my final round colors. I just wear these, uh, you know, after, after holding a trophy. We'll get, <laughs> yes. we'll get to that. Well, that's Where's the, your trophy? We'll get we'll get to it. It's okay. in the odds and ends segment on the at the end of this. That right there, that's Kyle Porter. What up, KP? Another day, another DJ win. He's only been beaten by one guy. It's crazy. The last five weeks. It's absolutely unbelievable. And uh, on his way home from the scene, it's Mark Immelman. Mark, thanks for joining us this evening. Yeah, Mark is on his way to vacation right now. Uh, how many weeks straight? I'm looking forward to I'm on the road south to Columbus now, and I've got my final day stuff on all black, a la Gary player on, and it, it was a fantastic week. It was good to be a part of it. Absolutely phenomenal. Dustin Johnson is your FedEx Cup champion. He earned a cool 15 million bucks this week alone and 18.7 over the course of the last four weeks. KP, we'll start with you on this. Uh, the resume for Dustin Johnson continues to get richer. Now the most FedEx Cup playoff wins, the most top fives, the most top tens. He's been dominant in the playoffs, but this is his first FedEx Cup. Uh, just another thing to add to, to DJ's not only bank account, but to his resume. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You add it all up at the end of everything, and it's like, would you rather have a FedEx Cup or another – another major, you know, I, I think, I think for where DJ is at right now, you, you look more at stacking up PGA tour wins. Can you get to 30, right? 30 is a crazy number. And then how many majors do you have at the end of it? So to me, the, the last couple of weeks are actually more about the two, the two PGA tour wins at big time events. And that's kind of all he wins is big time events. Mm. Than it is about the FedEx Cup trophy, and I mean the 15 mils. Not how how much do you guys think he's taken home? By the way, after the after caddy, after uh, like all the stuff, is it like is it more like 12, 10, 8? Well, he's got to pay taxes on it. It's probably in a high tax bracket, KP. <laughs> you probably think Dustin Johnson's in get. a high tax bracket? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Quick question: Does it matter? I mean, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely in the category of uh, he's taken home enough. I, I think everybody, yeah, all 30 of the players here thinking. this week are in the same category. But yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great win for him. And I think that we undervalue great wins at good events on good courses, which is what the Northern Trust was, which is what the BMW Championship would have been. It was for John Rahm and which is what Eastlake is. Eastlake's a good course. With a really good field, and it's it's you know twenty three down for DJ. 
Okay, I, I like this. So let's let's go deeper into that. That stretch of golf, Mark. I mean, we're talking about a second place finish at the PGA Championship. Then you get into the playoffs. He wins the Northern Trust, finishes second at the BMW, and you know wins with the strokes at the Tour Championship. This was convincing. We did not get a you know random winner of our of our playoff system like you might see in other sports or you might see at other times. This was this was no fluke. DJ left no doubt here. No, it was dominant. It's been dominant for a while. And you list those courses. He wins on the West Coast. He wins in the Northeast. He nearly wins in the Midwest. Now he wins in the South. All different golf courses, all different designers, all different types of grass. And the way he won all of them, apart from the PGA, obviously he was in the final group there, but was just beaten by Marikawa. The way he won was different. He accelerated with the lead in Boston, was just virtuoso this week or last week i should say didn't really have his best stuff but ground his way into contention and but for one ridiculous putt could have been a winner but i don't i don't live in it's ifs ands and buts and then this week it, he just he played he, he put together a clinical performance really in my opinion he did what he had to do he wasn't that sharp early in the tournament he navigated his way around it there was a bulky driver he played around that stuff too he chipped and putted his way around to success. And then today came in here with a big lead and sort of just did what he had to do to get the thing over the line. And in, uh, in a funny sort of a way to me, it was very Tiger-esque. You know, Tiger would let you sort of make mistakes a little bit a lot of the time and then just make sort of deliver the kill shot when he needed to. And we sort of saw that out of DJ today because he got off to a quick start, which was ideal given how the golf course was playing. But then he, the, 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 they were all comers for a while and they were all firing and sort of falling back. And he just kept doing what he was doing. It sort of appeared unfazed by the whole thing, which blew my mind. And then when it meant something, he delivers a peach into 15, you know, makes a couple solid piles on 16, 17, and makes the birdie on 18 just to ask the whole thing. It, it, it was a really well-constructed victory in my opinion. It, it certainly was. And, and when we get a little further down, I want to talk about how, how he dealt with that five-shot lead and talk about some of the guys that tried to come up and grab him. But, Greg, you're looking at this this uh, season for Dustin Johnson now. Three victories. So he wins the Tour Championship and thus the FedEx Cup. He wins the Traveler Championship. He wins the Northern Trust. Uh, I think most people are going to say he's your player of the year. Would you like to offer another option? Well, I mean, look, I do think that he's the best player in the world. I think he's a, a very deserving FedEx Cup champion, and it's an, been an amazing display of golf. I mean, there are not many um, stretches like this that I can remember where it's been this dominant. The play has been off the charts good. So I, I give DJ a, a ton of credit. But when you start comparing player of the years, now you're looking at, I'm sorry, players of the year. You're looking at uh, Justin Thomas, who has three wins, um, and, and Dustin Johnson with three wins, but one of his three wins, he didn't win the 72 holes that he played in. And I understand that it, look, it's hard to take away from DJ because he did what was asked of him. The rules were set before him and he went out and ends up taking the trophy. But at the same time, the guy that has one guy has three wins and, and in one JT has three wins and DJ in one of his three wins tied Justin Thomas for over the 72 holes. Um, and they never went into a playoff because it was over. So I just, I have a hard time with that, giving DJ the clear cut player of the year. Then you oh, add to that nine I top tens. <laughs> I right? hate this. So we're going to have, it's going to be, <laughs> this is, this just, it gives me a you little 
I, I don't know how to handle it. I just it doesn't sit right with me. Get, just just Greg, handing it away to DJ. Greg, just keep talking, and you'll eventually talk yourself into the right side of the argument. What Look, is the right then, side, Mark? Dustin Johnson is the player of the year. <laughs> okay. The rule, you, you said it. The rules were set. The playoff rules were set. Everyone knew it coming in. There were a few guys that had something to say about it last year. This year, everyone knows the drill. So they come here. They do what they got to. He's got the lead because he earned the lead. He's had a couple big victories. And then when he didn't win, Kyle keeps on saying he's been beaten by one guy over the last how many weeks, Kyle? Six or whatever it is. Five. five. Yeah. And, yeah, five. And then he's had he had a a dominating victory um, at the Travelers. I mean, shooting whatever he did, 61 on the Saturday. Um, and and he's, he's put together a stout season. And, and there's one thing about the voters, in my opinion. They, game sort of respects game. And what Dustin Johnson's done over the last little bit has been dominant. Now, it is player of the year, and I will concede that. But the FedEx Cup is a thing. You'll hear all of them talk about it. And they talk beyond the $15 million. So, you know, you win three times or whatever it is, and the FedEx Cup, uh, in my opinion, is the player of the year. Can we put a beat on top of Mark saying game, respect, game? <laughs> that, would be, that would be a sweet intro for our podcast. Um, I think – I. so here's the hard part. And I, I, I love what you're saying here, Greg. But if Xander wins – let's just pretend like we're only paying attention to the shadow leaderboard. So if Xander wins a true championship – I, I sort of still feel like DJ has a pretty good case for player of the year, even if he doesn't end up winning the tour championship, just because of like Mark talked about the dominance, you know, T2 at the, at the PGA championship. I, I don't know. I, you could talk me into JT, I guess, or Morikawa, uh, but I, I, I just, I still think you could make a pretty decent case for Dustin Johnson. I, I'm a Justin Thomas apologist. Like I love this guy. I want to, crown him everything i'd actually think i are so i think it's clearly dustin johnson greg i think i'd actually argue if it wasn't going to be dustin johnson it's colin morikawa who wins yeah. only your only major of the season who beats jt in a playoff and jt's three wins while well, listen it is very difficult to win any tournament anywhere in the world but when your three wins are three no cut short field events like you have to weigh that too right yeah, you weigh that against one where um, the the start the the scoring is affected yeah. differently at the beginning, right? So there's a lot of ways you can weigh the wins, and I almost I, I kind of even those. Let's just even those out for a second. You have a guy who look at all the categories, top tens. Last year with Rory and his victory, top tens was a really important aspect in him beating Brooks Kepka. It was basically turned out to be the tiebreaker. Turned out to be the tiebreaker over major championship performance. So you have top tens. JT has more top tens than uh, than anybody else. And he has more top tens than, than DJ from a percentage standpoint as well. He's slightly better than 50% of the time. Top tens for DJ now, uh, it's 50% of the time with top tens. Wins call it let's just call it even money official money um jt wins so uh, there's just a lot of buckets to me that point towards jt and then over these last 72 holes he he shoots the same score as as dustin johnson i know the competition's affected but that it just puts it it puts a little bit of an asterisk next to me and again i want to emphasize this it's no wrongdoing by dj there's nothing that he should have done differently i just feel like jt checks more of the boxes well, we're going to have some time before we actually, when are they going to announce this? The new season starts in two days. When, when do we find out about this award? 
Well, they, gave it, to question. they gave it to Rory over like Christmas last year, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I just remember like waking up and be like, oh, Rory won. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, listen, they did not, the rest of the field, uh, Mark, did not bow down and hand Dustin Johnson $15 million. Uh, this this got close for a bit. I think it got down to two shots. DJ uh, bogeyed seven and eight back to back. Xander Shoffley played well. Justin Thomas played well. John Rahm played well enough, but they could never get close. But uh, this was this was much better than the 18-hole victory lap I thought we we could have gotten on Monday. Uh, yes, it was was, and, and there's a couple of things I'd like to frame just to that. Uh, you know, there there is a real advantage to free swinging, and, and when a guy's got a big lead like DJ had, the rest of them are like, well, we're just like gonna swing away and sort of see what happens, and if the chips fall in our uh, fall correctly for us, then who knows what might happen. So there was a little bit of that going on in the front nine. And and then I, I didn't ever really see DJ look like he had to try and accelerate. You know, it was a very measured performance from the very, very word go. I mean, the, the, the opening approach shot, he hits to the first green. It's a green light. He's got a scoring club in hand there. The flag's right. And all the only place you don't miss it is in the front bunker. And so he hits it on the left fringe, very defensive. And I saw him adopt that sort of stance for a while. So... I don't want to say he opened the door, but I do want to say the free swing was a thing. And then, and he just did what he needed to do. Now for the ratings and for the entertainment value, I'm glad the other guys made a bit of a run. I was somewhat surprised because I thought the golf course was going to play a little harder than it did. Um, I, I, I don't know what low score of the day was. I think it might've been 65 or something. I thought, I thought it was going to be a little more punitive. Um, but in the end, it, it, it was sort of fascinating stuff. But when it came down to it, like there's one real shot that you can get, get into trouble over there, and that's on 15. He absolutely came through with a gem of a six iron, I think it was, and, 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 and sort of delivered, not the death blow, but certainly almost iced the thing. So it, it, it was fun to watch. It was nice that the guys made a bit of a run, but DJ didn't really break a sweat, to be honest with you. And then, I, like Louis said before the, the time, let's say he was tied going into the last thing and he built up a two-stroke lead everyone would be like, wow, that's a big lead. But he went in leading by five. They, they clip it to three. Now, all of a sudden, people are like, wow, it's getting close. It's just how you look at it. And he was just doing what DJ had to do. Yeah, it's all about perception in that scenario. KP, he played 7-17 to 17 at two over. And I thought that the real turning point or the real point where I was like, okay, this might be over, uh, was 13. And I believe there had not been a single bogey made on 13 until the final group got there. Xander made bogey on 13 and DJ, I don't know how else to describe it. He, he rammed in a 21 footer that dented the back of the cup. And I think if that misses, he's like, got like 10 feet coming back the other way for bogey. Like that, that could have been disastrous. And then after he made that par there, I'm thinking, okay, I think, I think the door is, is shut now. Yes, I agree. You've always got the shot on 15, you know, yeah. where we see we see Rom make double on on Saturday in, in the second round. But I, I'm with you. It, it felt like 13. You're like, OK, well, this is it, it's the type of it, it, and, and not to bring up speed, 
but who's by uh, the way in two days is going to start his 2020 2021 campaign baby it's we're about to roll it right back yeah i can't wait but uh, <laughs> remember the shot that he hit when he won the the john deere when he was 19 that he like bladed and it should have gone in the water yeah and get turn your blinker off mark what are you doing He's driving safely. Oh, turn. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so, so Speeds blades this shot out of the bunker. It hits the. It goes in. Whatever. And, and we. It's almost like we forget like how minuscule these margins are between winning and losing. Not not but not over the course of a season. Like because the best guys are going to always kind of rise to the top but over singular rounds and singular events. And that's what it felt like with some of the, even last week with DJ and Rom, it's like, what if one of them miss it? You know, it, it, there's just so many different tiny things that happen, not just at the end of, of an event, but throughout the entire thing that kind of stack up and add up. And, and that to me was one where if that's, I don't know, a couple of centimeters to the left, all of a sudden he's even going to the 18th and it's just, it completely changes the course of the season, you know, and the, and the entire thing. So I, I'm with you. I thought 13 was for him and for the rest of the field, the biggest hole of the event. Uh, I, I, yes, for sure. The, so Xander is your dude, Greg, uh, the putt he makes on 18, a 14 footer for 500,000. How would you feel standing over a 14 footer for five, for half a mil? It sounds better if you say half a mil. Yeah. Half a mil. I mean, look, it, I, I, <laughs> I would love to know what they're thinking about in the moment to get into their minds. A part of me is like, yeah, it's, it's for a half a million dollars here, but there's still, even if you miss, there's still so much on the other end. It's not like it's zero or half a million, which is a lot different than, <laughs> that would uh, than four and a half million or 4 million, right? That, there's a, there's a big difference there. So he, most of his work was done and it was a, it was a great putt. It was clutch. He's, he is clutch. I love watching him play. Um, He's so good. I think a really underrated putter. He, he's got a great little putting stroke. I, I love the left-hand low action, um, which is great. But it, it's definitely pressure-packed. But I, I feel like it's more of the thing where the next day when you're, when you're looking at the, the payouts and you kind of see, oh, man, that one cost me $500,000. I, I have a hard time imagining that, that in a heated competition. <laughs> <laughs> you know who says, talks about it all the time? Azinger talks about it all the time. He says that's the one where you're looking in the paper the next day and you're like, that cost me $300,000, something like that. And, and so you, want, you wonder if they're looking at it the next day and then it kind of stings a little more. But in the heat of, in the heat of battle, I have a hard time thinking they're, they're worried, they're counting dollars and cents here. Craig, is, uh, is, is Xander not just like next generation Fowler? No, I think he's, I think he's better than that. I really do. And I think he's going to have the ability to win um, a, a little bit more. He's already got, what does he have? Three wins, um, four. four wins on uh, tour. Now they're all I, these like small field, just, I, I don't know. I, I think he's got more than Ricky. And I also think he's more under, I think Ricky was a little higher rated. So where your perception of Ricky Fowler's a, a superstar. Xander Shoffley is more of a, a forgotten guy. He, he comes up as a, Surprise. Do you know where he went to college? San Diego, San Diego State. State. San Diego State. See, I mean, off the top of your head, you may not know that the way you know where Ricky went to college. <laughs> we, we, we do this we, for a living. We both just said that. And <laughs> you understand it. Living, it. <laughs> That's more for the, no, the listeners. No, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100% because 
I think the, per, uh, yeah, perception versus reality. Xander is better than what his perception is. And Ricky's not as good as what his perception is. Even well though Ricky, said. Ricky's still really good. Like Ricky's a, a, a really solid player or has been over the course of his career. And I think in some ways sort of underrated by people like us who get are like, Oh, Fowler, you know, whatever. But he's got some like really good wins over, over, over the course of his career. So I don't know. I, I said that to kind of goad you a little bit, but I, I think with Xander, it's like, man, I just, I want to see him. And, and, and he, look, he's won a lot, especially for how old he is, but I want to see him go like win a U.S. open over the final 36 holes, lead on a Saturday night, shut it down. And you're like, okay, Xander's here. Like this is, this is for real. And not that he can't do that. I just want to see it. How many players are there that when they have a 36 hole or a 54 hole lead, you feel like, okay, this is, this is safe. They're going to close the deal. May, may, may I ask a question real fast? Yes, you may. <laughs> why, why, why is he going to be more believable if he's got a Friday night lead and a Saturday night lead and he shuts it down to win the U.S. Open? Why can't he just win by birdieing the last or having some other guy bogey? It's still a victory. It's still a big event. Yeah, you, I mean, you you talk about you you were just talking about how like guys when they play from behind, there it, it's just it's not as difficult as it's not as uncomfortable as playing from out in front. I mean, players okay. talk about players talk about that. You've talked about that, Mark, about how you're just you're freer when you're trying to come from behind, and it doesn't make you. Uh, I don't know. I th- I just I think it it makes you an all around more complete player if you're able to win from out in front, and, and I think there's it's a something different skill set. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something to that. Okay. All right. I, I hear what you're saying. Greg, I want to throw this I'm back tell, to I'll you. I'll tell, 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 tell you this. He'll happily take a U.S. Open win where he's stumbled <laughs> into a pile in the last and someone else bogeys. Shout out to Webb Simpson. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah. go. Um, this is the second year we've had the staggered start, Greg. Uh, you kind of mentioned the the shadow leaderboard. I, I, I am firmly in the camp that – this this might not be the best format. I don't know if it is. I don't, I, there's a lot of factors that go into play here. This is incredibly better than what we've had in the past, where you try to have the point system, you have the two winners and all that stuff. But now two years in, Greg, is is this working for you? Is this format working? It, it doesn't sit with me the right way. Um, look, I, I think it's probably <laughs> come across as a little bit better than it could. You, <laughs> well, thank you. I love you too. Uh, you, you may have this, this situation. I, I feel like they've kind of backed themselves into a little bit of a corner where this is not a, a, a system that you can really tweak there. It's very difficult to make small changes um, to improve this format. And it's almost like if they ever want to make changes, they have to almost redo the whole thing. Mm-hmm. which is, I think, going to be very hard to do. So they're almost in a situation where their hands are tied. Fortunately, we've had two tournaments that have turned out quite well, um, and, and the players seem to be bought into it, and they seem to enjoy it. And that is it really important, because when you see players playing hard, it makes us feel better. Nobody said, oh, this, is, this is silly, and, and mailed it in. Everybody's competing really hard, which makes it great as a viewer. So I like it from that aspect. I, I think we've had two great deserving champions, which is great, but it just brings in too many questions to me. And look, if you made it this uh, kind of a separate event and you had, um, it, it didn't count as an official win. It didn't count towards 
a player of the year race. It didn't count towards your legacy sort of in that way. It was almost a separate category Then I could get a little more on board with it. But I mean, it means a lot to have this be an, an official PGA Tour win, to have this determine uh, a, a player of the year campaign or um, or something along those lines. It doesn't sit right with me. Does it work, KP? You know, I think I like to joke about it more than I actually <laughs> dislike it. I think it's actually it's not that it's not that bad. You know, I I, uh, I don't know. My my only thing, and we talked about this pre playoffs, is I'd love to see some match play built into it somehow, and that it it, it just. You know, it gets at the thing where you see at the end of the broadcast where 14-foot putt for $500,000, you kind of get you get more of that that's condensed where it's like, oh, Morikawa's got a putt here, and if he wins, he gets a million dollars and beats Terrell Hatton or, or whatever. Um, I, I, I think that aspect of it would kind of highlight the things that – I mean, we can talk about the trophy, the FedEx, whatever. This is about money because there is so much money at stake, and I just – you know, no matter who you are, 15 mil is a ton of money. And so I, I think it would be cool to kind of highlight that within match play and, and, and put a little put, you know, as Azinger says, put your nerves on the line a little bit. As a viewer, do you think the money is a really big factor when you're watching? I can't believe how much this is for, or do you think that kind of gets lost a little bit? N- not until the end. Uh, not like the last hole. It kind of pops up when they're on 18 Xander's putt for 500 K uh, it, I think it gets lost. I mean, f- it, it's, it's so like disproportionate to every other event. When you think about 45 mil, what's the next biggest purse? F- uh, 13, 14, 16, 15. I don't know. Um, so it's just, it's, it's weird how we sort of triple the purse, but then we talk about it as if it's really about the event when it's actually about like the money, because that's what we've made it about. I, I want I want to get a match play major, so I kind of like separate that out and like give me a match play major. But Mark, I mean, l- let's let's look at the leaderboard: Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa. There's your top six golfers. I mean, this identified this format has identified the best players on tour. I'm glad you went there. I was waiting <laughs> for someone to say it. If if this was a court of law. Uh, me as the defendant for the FedEx Cup or the playoffs or whatever you want to call this thing would say to you, let's have a look at the last couple of leaderboards. Let's have a look at the last couple of winners. It has identified the player, players and then ultimately the player who has been the best in the playoffs. And that's how this whole thing is set up, correct? You've got the regular season, you've got the, uh, the events within it, and then you've got the three playoff events. It's like the NBA, it's like the NFL. The NFL, you sometimes have someone sneak into the Super Bowl that that, that has the win that went in as a wild card. That's just how it goes. Now, I get Greg's um, point where he's like, well, you're starting with a two-stroke lead. Again, that's the rule that's been made. I'll tell you this much as a fan and someone who works the event, it's infinitely easier to figure the whole thing out than what it was just <laughs> a few iterations ago. That's true. And, and, so everybody, and so everybody knows it. Like when these dudes are, like I'm standing there calling 18 because we're in featured holes to finish this, this event. Every guy came down there almost to a man. Even Dustin Johnson took a peek at one of the two leaderboards because they know exactly where it's standing. It's not like, well, I've got to make this and -and so-and-so must miss, and then I win the FedEx Cup. The thing is black and white is clear, and the black and white of this all is it identified the best players this week, certainly, and in the playoffs. I agree. Uh, 
speaking of best players, best young players, rookie of the year is probably going to be a pretty compelling uh, case this season. I think we're down to two candidates. You've got Victor Hovland. You've got Scotty Scheffler. Um, Victor Hovland's victory, of course, the Puerto Rico Open. Scotty Scheffler has uh, went without a victory, but popped up at the PGA Championship. He's got way more top 10. So this is kind of a, a difficult way to try to figure this out if wins are king kp we'll start with you who's your rookie of the year what were the strokes gain numbers do you have those in front of you <laughs> i don't have a man <laughs> <laughs> <Too soon. laughs> i uh i i look i i i think it's hard because i i think winning is underrated but i also think tons of top tens is is a, an underrated thing as well like I value top 10, top 10, top 10 more than I value somebody who misses a bunch of cuts and then wins. You're just not put You're you played great in one week. Okay. I guess that's the point, but you're not like who's better overall to me. It's, it's what Mark? No, sorry. I was going to say Hovland hasn't missed a bunch of cuts. No, I know, but I just, I think Scheffler has been a lot better overall. Do you have the strokes gain, Rick? Yeah, so Scotty Scheffler is – now, this is not through this week. It's through the BMW Championship. So Scheffler's 17th on tour, 1.02. Hovland is 24th, 0.85. Okay. So they're both in the top 25. I, I think Hovland – I think part of, part of the problem here is that Hovland was, was really good off the top of the year. And, and, and he was actually – actually, he was really good right after the restart, right? He, he did the Safeway Memorial. He was really good through that stretch. And then Scheffler was at the very end, PGA, Northern Trust. I don't know. I, maybe I would go Hovland. I, this, that's, it's, it's actually very difficult. It's really difficult. And Greg, if you want to talk about like the caliber of win, I mean, the port, no, no offense to my favorite tournament, the Puerto Rico Open, uh, like, like winning that event in terms of value is, I hate to say it, pretty far down the list. So that, that's the only win that we're separating here. But I, I like wins. I think it might be Victor. I could be, I could be convinced either way. It's a, this is a real challenge. I, I think this is a lot, um, even, even harder, almost even harder than uh, player of the year. It's probably not as hard because it, it doesn't mean as much as player of the year. Um, but, and I talked myself out of another one there, but here, but you know, they're very close regular, regular season points, uh, 24th for Scheffler, 28th for, uh, for Hovland. I, I think Hovland checks way more boxes. Hovland checks basically every box. There's one box for, um, for Hovland, which is the win. So that, that's the real challenge. How much do you weigh that win? I think it's, I think it's in this case, slightly less. I think Scheffler has so many more top tens and um, I, I don't, I'm not so much worried about the, the strokes gain, but the top tens uh, and the FedEx cup finish, those two things combined to me, get it done for Scheffler. Um, but I mean, where, how much do you weigh the win? And that, that's a, a real challenge, but I'll ask you guys this. Is that weighed into the FedEx Cup finish? Is the win weighed in based on points? Should these awards just be determined by where you kind of finish in the FedEx Cup? Well, it is interesting, and I, I, I don't know the answer to that. And Mark, is there a recency bias to this? Because Scheffler, uh, I mean, three of his last four events, he finished in the top five. Uh, and the BMW, and then what, like six straight top 20s to end his season. Like recently, it's been all Scotty Scheffler, and I wonder how that will impact the actual voting. Yeah, there's a bit of a recency bias, because remember, it's a voting thing, and, and these players are going to get their ballots, and then they'll be like, whoa, Scheffler, he was in contention here and contention there. 
And there is. But I'll tell you this much. Um, knowing a bunch of PGA Tour pros like I do, I'm related to a guy who won this Rookie of the Year thing. Um, and a lot of guys who don't have a victory, like if you ask Scotty Scheffler, hey, bro, would you tra- trade five of those top tens for a win? <laughs> he would say to you, yes. And so there's something about winning on the tour. Now, earlier today, if you'd asked me this question, I was resoundingly going to vote for Hovland if I got a vote. But after watching Scheffler today, he creeped up a little further in my estimations. But still, a win is a thing. I don't care where it is. You know, you're never going to take away Colin Marikawa's win at the Barracuda. You're not going to take away the Hovland's win down in Puerto Rico. A win's a win, again, just because you're not in a World Golf Championships event. You beat the field you have to play against. And, and that's where I take, I, I sort of take odds too when guys, you know, on this podcast go, well, it's a small field event and there's no cut. You know what? You're still going to shoot the lowest score. So, so again, it's, it's, it's the parameters of the competition, but on the PGA Tour, wins are things. And, and so I think because of that, even though Scheffler has had a banner season, I feel like Hovland just ekes him by a nose. Wins are things should be a t-shirt that we have producer Jacob. I like that a lot. Wins are things. Uh, I, I think that's a compelling argument. Uh, I need to sleep on it. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, what we're also going to do is we're going to look ahead to the U S open. We'll do some odds and ends, wrap up our matchup belt challenge, wrap up our one and done. We're going to take a quick break, but we are going to say goodbye to Mark Immelman. Mark, thanks for joining us. Have a good vacation, my man. See you guys later. You take care. All right. Enjoy, Mark. We're going to take a quick break and be hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. U.S. Open. Literally 10 days away. It's, it's unbelievable stuff. The schedule is phenomenal. Greg, uh, we've, been, we've been deferring to your knowledge of winged foot. We did a little bit of a short bonus pod preview a couple of days ago. Just give everybody, you know, what do you expect generally about winged foot? What, what kind of player is going to find success there? A uh, player who... Well, I, I do think distance is going to be important. We've seen that in the past U.S. Opens. You're looking at long rough. You've heard the story many times. It's really long. They're, I mean, they're thinking five and a half inches to start the week, getting up uh, maybe upwards of six as the week goes along. And the biggest thing that they've been working on is keeping it thick, keeping it healthy. Um, and, and Steve Rabideau, the superintendent, his biggest concern is that it thins out this time of year. So they've been doing everything they can to keep it thick, keep it healthy. And every report that I see, um, every time one of my friends over there sends me a video, the, you, I mean, you can't find the ball. 
and they're saying if you see a, if you hit a tee shot and it's headed towards the rough I mean, you're sending up a prayer right now. It won't be that way for the players because they'll have spotters out there on every hole. Um, but you're looking for your – you've got to basically step on your ball to find it. So it's thick. Um, and the greens right now are not as firm as they will be for the tournament. So if you hear stories of Keegan Bradley going out there making nine birdies, um, which apparently he did, um, you're going you're gonna to see a different golf course when the day comes. Um, so who does it benefit? I think it benefits a, a player who has length off the tee, strength, as you see Kyle there showing off his guns, uh, which is nice, by the way. And, and I think great touch around the greens is going to be really important. You're looking at some deep bunkers. And they tell you, if you miss these greens left and right, um, long is bad too. Left, right, and long is no good because there's a lot of tilt. Uh, you will find yourself below the green, either in thick rough or in the bunkers. So uh, strength, and short game are going to be really important this week. You know, who else, weeks, 10 days. You, know, you know who else is uh, thick and healthy and pretty long off the tee? Oh, God. <laughs> Bryson. I know. I just want to hear you say it. Now, Bryson's, yo, Bryson's Bryson not, did, a, did Bryson, stunk. did he play the tour championship? Was he, he involved? Know it. I don't know. His, he, what did, we were on HQ and uh, he, Doug Bell wasn't saying it about Bryson, but he was saying like, oh, he's got, uh, Rory's got the private jet like gassed up and ready to go. He's got it warming right now. Like Bryson was out. Actually, I don't think he was out. I think he was grinding on the range. But like, yeah, he, he could have not. He could have not played. I know. I, I, like I he was, came in like 22nd or something. I was thinking about him this morning for some reason. And I was like, ah, did Bryson make the tour championship? And there 22nd. you go. His yeah. playoffs were absolutely terrible. Um, he's 14 to 1. He's 14 to 1 at the US Open. Dustin Johnson, of course, your uh, betting favorite, 8 to 1. John Rahm, 11. Rory McElroy and Brooks Kepka. There's a name I haven't said for a couple weeks, both 12 to 1. And then Bryson and JT at 14. I, I don't know about you, Greg, but like JT at 14 is always feels like some disrespect. Yes. Yeah, and you know I love JT. You heard what I was just saying. The thing I worry about with him is he can he can really spray it off the tee sometimes. Um, I mean, he, he can hit some way, right? He likes to fade it. It, it, can, it can get away from him off the tee, which is my biggest concern. Um, I, I do think he has the game to contend for sure, um, but I just worry about his, his driver, and I have some questions about his putter too. I mean, he's been a little streaky with the putter, so maybe that rough... This is my biggest concern with JT. The rough just limits his iron game. And if he if he ends up with a lot of kind of eight-foot par putts, it could get pretty frustrating for him. And that, that's my biggest concern with him. I hear you on JT. I think the, the two things that I love about him at Wingfoot is how high he hits his irons. And, it, it, you know, those are, those are greens that you just have to – I mean, you can't hit anything flat into him because it's just going to take off and just you're going to be all over the yard. And then he's he's very creative with his short game. So you're going to everybody's going to miss screens. I, I think his ability, and I agree with you about the putting, where it's like, uh, how's this going to go? But his wedges around the green, his chipping, his ability to get out of bunkers, he he's so so good, so underrated. I think in yeah. that area. And so I think it comes down to the driving probably. I, I really do. I think, it, I think that is going to determine whether or not JT wins the U.S. Open. The other thing that I love about his game, you mentioned his short game around the greens. Even you stretch it out a little bit farther, those 40, uh, you know, 30 to 60-yard kind of wedge shots, I, I feel like he's one of the best in the world. And if he does miss fairways 
and ends up having to pitch out and, and leave it short of the flags. Well, he's pretty good in that range. So I, well, that, I do like that aspect too. That's the shot he hit on. Was it 15 or 16 at TPC Southwind when he won there? When he's like, I think he was 99 yards out, a hundred yards out. And he, he just, he takes it back so slow and then he comes through so slow and the tempo is just unbelievable. And, yeah, and so, yeah, from, it. from that, from that distance and in he's, I, I just, I trust him a lot out of us open. Whereas a, a, maybe a, a different top guy you wouldn't trust as much. Couple other notables: Tiger Woods, twenty-eight to one; uh, Jordan Spieth, fifty to one, which is still a sham considering Sung J M is sixty-six to one. Those, those are opposite. Uh, Phil Mickelson, <laughs> any guess on Phil Mickelson's odds to win at Winged Foot? Eighty. Eighty. KP. I've been You're studying. Nice. You are a professional. It um, should. I mean, it should be a hundred and eighty. Phil, Phil's like Phil's gonna win the U.S. Open. Come on, not gonna happen. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other interesting ones. There is not. Okay, uh, you, know, you know who's you know who's interesting. Sorry, real quick. Go ahead, Terrell Hatton. Yes, he He's, he he is really interesting. Do we mention Xander? <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you want to? Eighteen to one. Love him. Well, I, I picked him in January. I got the date of the event wrong, but I, I Xander was my guy in, in uh, January. I, lo- I love his game for Wingfoot, just saying. Yeah. I, I also own a Terrell Hatton 66-1 to U.S. Open ticket from months ago. So now he's down to 50, and I'm on board, KP. Yeah. Odds and ends. Matchup belt. Kyle Porter, you are victorious in matchups. You were 5-2 and two last week. You... I don't know. Oh, I thought this was how many belts he won. Sorry. I don't know how many belts you've won, but you were victorious last week. You edged five. You've edged yeah. out Mark. Yes. You have, you have edged out Mark last week, and you've edged out Mark in total number of belts. Take a victory lap. I'll just run around my shed after I get off this. <laughs> I'll, make, uh, I'll make Mark buy me a belt like they used to do for the Open Championship. They had the, the victory belt. So many good things have stopped. Like the what 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 <laughs> uh, what what PJ Championship was a match play at yeah. one time. Yeah, there used to be a literal belt. Can you imagine if Sungjae was just running around Carnoustie with a belt over his head? <laughs> that yes, would I be. Can't imagine that. That would be incredible. I can't imagine that. Uh, first cut, one and done. I am happy to say. I finished second in the one and done this year. I, I blew I blew this. This was bad. Okay. So just to recap, remember what we did where you could wager how many points that you had and whoever you chose had to finish in the top three. If they did, you earned that amount of whatever your wager was. If they did not, you lost that amount. Uh, so Greg, you were in the lead. Let's talk through your thought process here. You were in the lead with 6.2 million points. You picked Xander Shoffley and you wagered $1. Yeah, I bet them in. Look, uh, a couple things on this. Xander, I had Xander and Rory were my two heavy hitters coming in. And they were both at three under. And so my thought process is they're, I would say, rather unlikely to finish inside the top three, they got a lot of they got a lot of ground to make up. So it's it's no guarantee that they're gonna that they're gonna get there. Um, and and for everybody else, I didn't think anybody had DJ. Um, and so I just I, I thought with that top three number being as high as it was, it was going to be hard for anybody to hit um, and and get somebody in the top three. 
So my strategy was come and get me. And, um, and it worked. This is a couple of things for me. One, I'm an idiot. Two, I'm an idiot. Uh, I had DJ, I left DJ on the bench. What am I doing? It's wow. shameful. It's unbelievable. He, he, I love those points, by the way, Kyle. He, he, yeah, one moron, two idiot. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he was, he had like a, a nine stroke lead on people, an eight stroke lead. And I'm like, I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa. I don't, I, I guess I thought, I don't know what I thought. I guess I thought that Greg still had DJ and I didn't want to pick, I didn't want to pick somebody that other people were also picking. But if I would have looked at the weekly picks, I would have known that nobody had DJ. Right. We had, I all, had him the week before. We had all burned DJ at this point. Uh, Mark went all in with Rory, lost all of his funds. Kyle went all in with Morikawa, lost all of his funds. Producer Jacob went all in with John Rahm, lost all of his funds. I, like the true coward that I am, knew that I could not <laughs> win this because I did not have enough to double up and catch Greg. So I said, I'm going to bet $1 and try to finish second. Or if Greg screws up the wagering, I thought I didn't know, you know, 10% chance Greg might screw this up, bid too much, get knocked out. I could sneak my way up into first, but I will, I will end in second. So that I was banking on you uh, messing it up, Greg. That was my only chance here. Well, I'm glad you did that. Um, but big, yeah, this is a, a rather dominant performance. You're looking at a, <laughs> what is, is this a, 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 a 3.1 million, a, a $3.1 million victory uh, over the rest of the field. And, and what, what if, mind what you, if, this field, this is a field of experts. So I, I give this win. I think this puts me pretty close to the hall of fame. This is how they should do the tour championship. You should, you should have to bring out, all the money that you've earned throughout the year and put it on the first tee that you're wagering. <laughs> and then they get a wheelbarrow and wheel it over to the 18th green. And then you walk off. And if you're in the top, whatever you could, you could wager. Go ahead. Producer Jacob. Yeah. This just inspired me. World series of poker style. Get foursomes yeah. out there. All the money you've earned over the season. Just, just run it back. We might be there for two weeks as everyone is wagers, wagers playing skins or whatever. Yeah, it would be unbelievable. What you what couldn't happen? This is why Kiridat Afi Barnrat could never get to. He would have spent it all on Jordans and cars. You'd have to roll all of those out That's by true. the time we got there. So it wouldn't, you, it wouldn't work as well. Uh, <laughs> some cash, some pink slips. Yeah, whatever. Uh, DJ Pihowski of No Line Up said that uh, it should be a requirement that whoever wins the fifteen should have to spend a third of it within thirty days and. <laughs> And you have to keep all the receipts on what you spend it on. And that's part, like, that's part of the deal of winning the, the 15 million. Uh, have you ever seen Brewster's Millions? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Okay, go watch Brewster. So this is what? Richard Pryor from 19, I don't know, 70, whatever. And the deal is he has to spend $30 million in 30 days to get like $100 million or $300 million But he can't have any assets by the time it's over. So he's like trying to burn through all this cash. He like buys a minor league baseball it's it's amazing <laughs> so go go check that out uh greg ducharme you have uh congratulations you've earned two days worth of vacation before the safeway how would you like to spend your two days uh and definitely going on a trip somewhere warm <laughs> i haven't decided where yet uh but I, I'm, I'm toes up in the sand somewhere i think kp any big plans for your two days off before next season well, I'm going to write a Safeway preview on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I'm probably going to 
uh, take the kids to a nature preserve. So big, big, big week over here. Big week in the Porter household. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a Safeway Open preview. Don't worry. The grind continues here on The First Cut. Let me thank Greg Ducharme for joining me all season long. Greg, you can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD. Kyle, you can find him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>